thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hey there, wonderful listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And again, you can find us on social media. So we are on Facebook. So we are facebook.com forward slash the wellness women. We're also on Instagram at the wellness women official. I am drandrea.xo on Instagram and the period whisperer on Facebook. And Ash is Dr. Ashley Bond on everything. Make sure you have subscribed to us. Uh, you can do that on iTunes or whatever podcast medium it is that you are using to listen to this. And also we love those ratings, especially those five-star ratings. They're most five-star ratings anyway and we love those in particular um but anyway ladies welcome to wellness moon radio hi ash hello auntie andrea congratulations so ladies very exciting news this gorgeous woman has just become an auntie thanks to her beautiful sister sarah (laughs) so congratulations tell us uh how does it feel now to have a little person in your life that you uh you know have this incredibly new amazing bond with uh, oh, it's super exciting. I know. Congratulations, Sarah. She is such an incredible like uh, fan and support of Wellness Women Radio, which is amazing. And she's just had her first baby. She had a little girl um, named Emmeline Rose or Emmy Rose for short. And Emmeline was my grandmother's name. Um, and it's also Sarah's middle name, which I thought was super cute. Uh, it, I haven't met her yet because she's in Queensland. I'm in Perth. It's really hard being this far away, especially um, being this far away when Sarah had a fairly torturous birth. And not being there to, you know, obviously support her through that process was 
um, yeah, very uh, confronting for me because, you know, usually we intervene, right? Usually we we support women through this process and there's so many things that we can do to help. And, yeah, that was super frustrating not being there. Um, and I'm also like, you know, quote, unquote, auntie to you know, kind as Bob and Ollie and, well, you know, self-professed auntie to me. You do, absolutely. But there's um, nothing like yeah. having, you know, a sibling, having a little person where you, you know, you truly are the the amazing auntie. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. I can only imagine how you felt because, you know, obviously both of us so dive so deep into the birth work and birth support that, um, yeah, it's something both of us experience. And I'm sure a lot of ladies, you girls listening, there's, I'm sure many of you who have the experience of being far from family or far from the people you love the most because uh, of this dynamic world we live in where we travel and live abroad and do these amazing things and um, it really hits home at moments when you need to be there to support uh, your loved ones. Both of us have had different experiences recently, both needing to be somewhere where we just can't be at the time we need to be there and um, yeah, it, it does hit home, doesn't it? It sort of sometimes makes you question, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Should I be somewhere else? You know, Should I be with my family? Why do I move so far away to do all these things but um you know what i think uh, that's the the beauty that we have the luxury of well one first world you know affordability we can afford to jump on a plane and see our family and we do have access to internet and we can you know talk on skype mm-hmm. the medium that we're recording on tonight so yes, yes. i i yeah, get it exactly. we we are um we are i guess ever more connected in all these ways but then at times when some of it matters most we feel so disconnected it was a challenge. Like I went through this thing of, I, I need to be there. I need to just get on a plane and go. And I normally would have, but I had two massive commitments last week that I could not cancel. Um, and you know, I was running my, um, seminar for practitioners on Sunday and I had 30 odd people who were counting on me that had paid to be there that, you know, had like, and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get on a plane. I couldn't go over there. Um, and I'm trying to figure out when I can actually do that. And it's, yeah, sometimes it is really hard being away from your family, especially at times like this. It is, it is. Well, mm. I guess uh, that's, ladies, that's where we're at this this week. It's funny. You, <laughs> well, you, I guess you all travel with us, don't you? The ups and the downs and we have these moments where it's, you know, a little bit like reflective of the challenges we're experiencing and then other times it's, you know, celebrations and all the things and really that's that's life. Um, we feel very blessed to be a part of so many women's lives that we, we do get to ride the roller coaster with everyone. So sometimes you ride ours as well. Um, tonight's an interesting roller coaster we're going to talk about, actually. It's kind, <laughs> kind of a good transition there. It's kind of like a roller <laughs> roller coaster because you know anyone who who knows a little bit about the gut it's uh literally this amazing roller coaster of motility that uh, brings food from the mouth to the anus which is the big bomb bomb moment we are going to talk about po <laughs> yep something that we talk about all day every day that people still get a bit like you know funny and giggly and squirmish about and it's just not even like doesn't even trigger any kind of response or reaction from me anymore and to the point where I'm like probably having too many conversations about it, but it's such an important indicator of what is going on in your body. So the quality of your stool or the quality of your poo is a really good um, picture. Don't overthink that. Um, Don't get too crappy with that. But it's a really good indication as to how healthy your gut is. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So the, the title of this podcast is What Your Poo Says About You. I thought that was pretty catchy. I know, pretty catchy, but (laughs) I guess, you know, when we talk about poo, um, one of the big things that comes up in our practices is that when we talk about it, 
often people don't know what is considered relatively normal because when you've had your gut or your bowel movements a certain way for such a long period of time, whilst it may be normal to you and common to be heard, you know, if you spoke ever spoke to someone else and they say, oh yeah, I have that too. Don't worry about it. Um, just because something's common doesn't make it normal. And just because it's normal to you doesn't necessarily mean it's okay and healthy. So we'll talk a little bit about some things like normal movements of the digestive tract. So you understand what normal movement could and should look like. Um, we'll talk about some things like, you know, the varieties of different stools and, you know, what the signs and symptoms are, you know, what sort of stools look like uh, texture-wise, smell, all these things. Don't tune out just yet. Thankfully, it's not a smell vision You know, it's not a podcast. You don't have to actually, you know, smell any of this or see any of this. So, podcast mm-hmm. is beautiful. But tune in and listen in because we will describe things um, so that you understand really clearly what your gut signs are telling you, what they may indicate, and some of the things you can do to help um, either improve the concern that's showing up or is indicated or when to get further assessment or further testing or, you know, seek medical advice if there is something else that might be showing up. So there's many variations of normals, but um, there are some certainly key things that we want to see and we'll be talking about those. So, Andrea, let's talk about firstly what normal movement is because obviously, you know, we've got to understand what the gut actually does. Like how does it get to become poo and how does it get from, you know, the mouth out to the anus? Uh, What has to happen in the middle in order for that to happen successfully? normally and obviously leading to elimination which is healthy oh that's such a good point ash and you know not something i really thought about when we we're talking about this but it's such that's so so important because you know most of us don't think about what the makeup of our stool is or how it actually gets to that point and why that's important and obviously the digestive process starts before we even put food into our mouth yeah it so, starts with a thought doesn't it and yeah that's, that's an amazing yeah. thing like you just start thinking about food and start salivating those enzymes starts being produced uh, depending on what you're daydreaming and thinking about so yeah. you know, if you're even us about- having this conversation about thinking about food and salivating is creating that, you know, that that visceral reaction already. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Uh, and that that's just, you know, exactly how your nervous system functions. It's just, you know, figuring out you have that thought. It's like, okay, the environment's changing because of that. And then how is the internal environment going to respond to that? So before you've even got food in front of you, just from that thought, I'm probably producing more hydrochloric acid in my stomach because my body's going, okay, there's going to be things that are coming. You're salivating already because that's, you know, that process of masticating or the the chewing of the food mixed with the salivary enzymes and everything else is where that um, digestion starts from the very upper part of our gastrointestinal tract, which is obviously the mouth that we forget about so often. So the chewing of the food really well helps to, you know, stimulate things to start properly, signals to the gut to make the right amount of hydrochloric acid, which then signals to the pancreas to produce be producing the correct digestive or pancreatic enzymes that then signals over to our other, you know, obviously digestive pathways within our digestive organs and then so on and so forth. Do you you sort of understand what I mean by that? It's It's not just a small and large intestines thing that's going through the process of absorbing all the nutrients out from our food and then compacting it down, then adding water and then excreting it. There's, you know, lots of lots of things that happen along the way. 
And it's super interesting too that, um, you know, the types of contractions that go on the gut actually differ um, depending on the region of the, the gut. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whereabouts in the gut it is also with the type of food that you eat. Um, and so, you know, these foods as well chemically signal these contractions and some of those contractions are things that move onwards, you know, the food so it's, got, it's passing along and other um, contractions basically causes kind of like a mixing and mushing and grinding up of the food in those regions. So, it is super complex. We take it for granted. And I'm sure we'd all do because you just put something in, it somehow passes through. If you don't have many discomforts or complaints, then, you know, you probably don't think too much about what's going on. But think about, you know, things like signs like you know, un- unexpectedly feeling full or maybe some tightening or some heartburn or, you know, just things like that. These are all signs about variations of normal on, you know, eating food, which unfortunately for a lot of people we think, oh, what if I take this antacid before I eat food, then I won't feel any discomfort, mm. then I'll keep eating and it'll be fine, as opposed to saying, well, why does this food, and we've just talked about, you know, certain foods trigger certain reactions and certain enzymes, why does this food trigger that, you know, acidity? So, you know, we're, we're I guess we're trying to say here is that all of these signs of digestion, whether it be from things like heartburn, gurgling gas, wind, bloating, um, all the way through to, you know, poor formation of your stool, these are all signs and signals of gut function. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then the way that you can then help to evaluate this for yourself is what you're actually experiencing at the end process of that digestion. So what's actually coming out in the toilet bowl. (laughs) And I know that most of us actually have a look anyway. So let's break that down and look at the things. So in, in terms of the color, the consistency of your actually stool and what that means. And a really good resource that you can use is the Bristol stool chart or the Bristol stool scale. So this is a numerical uh, system that essentially rates the stool from one to seven. The lower numbers uh, indicate more constipation, whereas the higher numbers are more loose sort of diarrhea. And what I think that we want to aim for is about a number four usually, which is a good, nice, solid log. It's a good brown color. Uh, Damien likes to call them ghost poos. So they go in the bowl. Um, They're about the length of your forearm because that's about the size of your large intestine. So we want a good, complete stool. We want complete evacuation. So we don't want to feel like, you know, you haven't, you've gone, but you haven't gone properly. Um, It shouldn't be really sticky. It shouldn't take a long time to kind of clean up. You shouldn't need to be scrubbing the bowl afterwards. There shouldn't be a smell that lingers in the room for 15 minutes afterwards. If you come back and you go, oh, geez, you know, someone (laughs) smells like someone's just still been in there. Um, And it shouldn't be really painful or uncomfortable during that process. So it should be like a ghost poo. (laughs) (laughs) I love that description. That's amazing. Um, And look, so simple is that description, but how few people actually have that, you know, experience when they go to the bathroom. So, you know, to be idealistic, that is what we all should and can achieve with our gut health, but we've got to understand why we're not. So, you know, when you're looking at things like that Bristol stool chart, understanding, um, for example, type one, that's when we get these hard lumpy nuggets, you know, and they're Mm -hmm. hard to pass and they're uncomfortable. And when they come out, they're almost like the rabbit droppings, pop, 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 pop. Um, And, you know, that's an indication of things like dehydration. Um, it's an indication that you may not be getting enough fiber and sometimes an indication that the foods have been sitting in the large intestine, the colon for a long time. So, you know, very much. This is definitely constipation. Yes, correct. 
Correct. So, look, there's lots of causes of constipation. Um, you know, even some things like uh, some medications and stress, these are all ways in which, you know, it can prevent that natural function of the bowel. But if that's you, the first thing I would certainly be doing is increasing my water intake. You know, first yeah. and foremost, I'd, I'd aim for hydration to see if that changes things. Um, and on top of that as well, I'd be looking at allowing time to actually go to the bathroom because this can often happen if we are, for example, holding our stools. So mm. not listening to the cues of the body and actually sort of ignoring the signs. So let's just say, you know, you go up in the morning, um, had to run out to the bus, you really needed to do a poo, but you held on. And then the more you ignore it, the more those signals start to you know, switch off. And so, of course, we get this lack of feedback um, and then eventually, you know, that lack of feedback, the the stool dehydrates in that gut area and, of course, then it becomes harder, lumpier and harder to pass. So it's almost like a vicious cycle, you know, that makes it harder to pass, which makes it less likely you're going to feel like you need to go. So mm-hmm. um, this is often where people get that, oh, I always call it like a bit of a poo plug, um, you know, the hard, lumpy poo plug is there even though you know healthy movements might be coming behind it and finally you know when enough pressure builds up they go to the bathroom and fill up the whole toilet bowl and they go oh my god i didn't realize you know i was so blocked up and that's that happens because they ignored it for a day or two um so it is it is considered relatively normal that if you eat every day then you should also have a bowel movement and eliminate every day now at least once a day yeah, yeah, and, you know, a lot of the times the discussion is that it's actually twice a day it's considered healthy and normal um, in that 24-hour period. So I generally aim for, you know, once a day as a, as a healthy elimination. It can be every other day that's still considered healthy and normal as long as you don't have signs of toxicity. You know, you're not getting headaches or any other things that could indicate that you've got sort of toxic um, byproducts in the gut and also if it's still comfortable and normally formed. So, you know... Yeah, I guess it depends on how much the person's eating and drinking, wouldn't it? Because we really do think that that elimination needs to be happening every day. And you can check your transit time as well. And we'll talk about ways that you can do that. And according to, you know, like Ayurvedic medicine and and. Uh, certain like resources, they say that you should be having a bowel movement after every meal. So you should be moving your bowels three times a day. Now, I'm sure we've talked about this in a previous podcast that a lot of that information, that theory comes from uh, certain areas like India, where it would be very normal to have like frequent, frequent stools that might be loose quite often um, because obviously the microbial population there is completely different there you know gut ecology is completely different to ours so that might not necessarily be appropriate in the western world and with our type of diet in australia or the us or wherever it is that you're listening from um, but i do think that you need that good solid bowel movement that is about the size of your forearm hopefully not the thickness of that but about the length <laughs> uh, at least once a day and Uh, To check the transit time, this is when you can uh, either eat some sesame seeds or put some sesame seeds into like a teaspoon into a glass of water and swallow that because your body isn't going to break that down. So what you see in your glass as it goes into your mouth, you should be able to see in the bowl about 12 hours later. It can be easier if you do it with um, like hard corn kernels as well if you just swallow some of those down because, again, they don't digest. And you should be seeing those about 12 hours later as well. Um, Damien has a hashtag for this, hashtag sesame seed challenge. Uh, But please don't post photos. 
<laughs> no, no, just just let us know you've done that. Um, another yeah. thing that we often get asked as well, like or people complain about, usually it's complaints about their partner, is that they sit in the bathroom for half an hour, you know, doing a poo. Now, mm-hmm. you know, is that normal, for example? It was the question. I said, well, it depends on what you're doing there. If you're not actually there to do a poo, then it might be normal because you might be sitting on your phone reading or reading a book. <laughs> so it's really just, you know, R&R, relaxed time, escape from the children and hide yourself in the bathroom. But um, let's just say the actual poo time, how long should it take you? to do a poo and generally speaking it should be you know more than a couple of minutes staying up to several minutes the reason be if you think about elimination if you were a mammal out in the wild if you you know crouched beside a tree for for 20 minutes you well one it wouldn't be you know too good you'd be in danger because you'd be out in the open with your butt hanging out and you know other creatures potentially could attack you so it's not not a great so if you think about you know evolutionary reasons why we eliminate um you know the faster the better really so it comes down to having you know an appropriate amount of time for elimination so several minutes totally fine more than that you're straining you're pressing you're obviously going to increase your risk of things like hemorrhoids um so you know it's super important that you're not straining they're actually relaxing the bowel and i found something really interesting that um this is where crossover pregnancy and bowel eliminations right <laughs> um ah, yes. you know this whole idea about women pushing a baby out um you know you gotta push 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 and you know the things i learned through um tools and training such as hypnobirthing was rather than this concept of pushing the baby out we actually want to breathe the baby out we want to relax the baby out um because the more you relax mm-hmm. the easier it is to pass and this goes for bowel movements as well if we're pushing and straining and using all our stomach muscles we're actually contracting it which can actually you know slow down the passage if we breathe out and relax and release we can actually help aid the passage and transit of the poo through the colon so um that's so interesting isn't it yeah so the similarities are quite quite you know curious that you should talk about poos and babies in the same sentence but um what you know what it's describing there is that if we relax you know it's going to take a lot less time to transit that poo and exit um you know curiously you know mammals in nature they've sort of on average take about 12 seconds to do a poo Mm, yeah, that's yeah. pretty efficient. Yeah, yeah, see, it's meant to be efficient because you can't hang around yeah. with your butt hanging out. You know, you're in danger. Something could attack you. So, um, it's that makes yeah, so much sense. Yeah, mm. so it's you know super mammalian to have the you know the need and the urge and the, the way we do it. Um, and the other thing to think about too when you go to the bathroom, a lot of us are sitting on our royal thrones, um, and this causes a massive problem because of the angle of the cecum and the and the gut. Um, what we want to encourage people to do, and you know, often I talk to my patients who are having troubles with elimination. Um, we sit on our royal thrones with our knees, generally speaking, in line with our hips or potentially below our hips. You know, if our toilets are really tall or we're a bit short, um, that, that ratio mm-hmm. is different. What really needs to happen is, is we improve our elimination if we are in a squat position. Yeah. Okay. So that means knees above level of the hips and pelvis um, with feet planted on something so you can apply a light pressure into your heels, which can help aid some of the muscles around the hips and pelvis, um, which can help to improve, you know, elimination. So they do have things that are you known as sort of like this, the poo step stools, which you can put in the bathroom beside your your, your toilet and, mm-hmm. you know, 
stand on that and step on that as you do a poop. Um, that's pretty, pretty popular for people who have got gut issues and realize that the correct, you know, sitting position makes elimination far more comfortable and easy and reduces the risk of hemorrhoids. Um, so look, I think there's lots of different options out there, but I'd literally Google a poo stall if you're interested to see what we're talking about. <laughs> also, we can find some and post some links of some of the products we recommend there, but that's another way of doing it. Or you do something really simple and just get your husband to knock up a bit of plywood box, you know, kind of framework and just use yeah. that like super cheap, super easy. It does exactly the same thing. Um, so that's one of my yep. recommendations as well is to improve the position of sitting to help with passing a poo. Yeah. And even if you are oh, actually, no, don't Google image search any of this stuff. Um, I was going to say there is lots of like cartoon images that really show you a good depiction of what happens when you go from like just sitting on your like ischial tuberosity, which are your sitting bones with your legs out at about 90 degrees or coming out perpendicular from there as opposed to being in that squat position, how that opens up through the bowel. Like it's, it does make a lot of sense when you see it. So uh, just take our word for that at the moment if you don't want to go Googling those things because, <laughs> you know, uh, you use that with caution. So we were talking about the, according to the Bristol stool scale or Bristol stool chart, just the type one is that, that pebbly, the type two is a bit more kind of lumpy, almost sausage shaped. Uh, and this, again, is still fits into that constipation spectrum. Um, it means that there's it's a little bit of dehydration that still happened along the way, so it's been hanging around too much. It just hasn't um, got to the point where it's breaking apart into the pebbles. Then we've got the type 3, which is more it's still on the too dehydrated because you've got like that cracked stool, but it's a little bit better formed. This is more dietary related. This is usually more constipation from the lifestyle or the diet, and this requires a bit of strain when it comes out, but it may not be as painful as the other ones. Then we've got your type 4, which is your good, you know, snake or sausage-like, uh, which is really, you know, it's easy to pass, um, moves easily, cleans up easily. Uh, then as we move further up the chain, it's now getting into the sphere of having two loose stools. So type 5 is usually when it was originally type 4, but it's a bit too, almost like a bit too hydrated. Um, so it's a little bit too watery. And then type six is like almost mushy and type seven is liquid. So this is proper diarrhea. Um, so those are the, the different types, the numerical sort of rating system from one to seven, but just Googling the Bristol school stool chart and we'll certainly post this on social media for you as well. I usually give my patients a handout of the Bristol stool chart with their food diary and they will rate on their food diary for me what their bowel movements are according to that numbered system and then that helps us to make those correlations between how well their gastrointestinal system is doing, what their elimination's like and then what things are triggering that. So that's the consistency of it, but the color, the smell, whether or not there's mucus, it's floating, everything else also plays a big role in the health of your, you know, your bowel movements that you can interpret as well. Um, so Ash, should we talk about smell? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd rather not. Let's talk about colour first because most people can see yeah. colour. Smells very subjective. Um, you know, so oh, let's, let's, I'm really you know, for, I don't know if that's subjective. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, why do people like the smell of their own farts, right? It's it's all about, um, it's I don't but, know, it's a weird one. Um, yeah. So let's talk about poo colour. It's, you know, medium, medium 
brown, medium to dark brown is probably the color yeah. you're looking for, um, is considered relatively normal. Sometimes you'll see, you know, stools much darker, almost black like. Um, that can be dietary. So just be aware that if you've eaten a lot of dark foods, um, I know it's mind changes when I eat things like blueberries, um, suddenly you get, whoa, and you're like, oh, um, some supplementation and vitamins and iron supplements as well can cause darkening of the stool. So you might have a darker, but as a, you know, important one there is to be aware that, um, you know, a dark stool, a tarry dark stool can also be indicative of um, some internal bleeding higher up the gastrointestinal tract. So, you know, yeah, people always yeah. might expect to see, um, you know, if it's blood, it'll be red, but not if it's higher up the gastrointestinal tract. By that stage, it's starting to see a darkening and that darker sign could be indicative of blood higher up the system. So think about the food you're eating. Think about the colors that are in those foods. Um, think about supplementation. If all of those are considered and they're still really, really dark black stools, then it's definitely worth assessing and doing a stool sample with your doctor. It's really, you know, quite straightforward. Um, other things we just talked about, the, you know, potential bleeding. So if you do have red or, you know, purplish colors into, you know, in your stools then you've got to again consider is it dietary i know when i eat beetroot mine's like pink red it's ridiculous it's amazing whereas beetroot doesn't affect me i could eat you know three whole beetroots in one go and it wouldn't make a difference so that's amazing right yeah that's an enzymatic um yeah it's an enzymatic thing uh which is just incredible yeah, so, so, so that's yeah. again, you know, like if I go to the bathroom and the, the water turns pink, you know, and I'm just like, whoa, what's going on? Oh, no, that's right, beetroot. Thank goodness, you know, I'm about to have a heart failure. Like, oh, no, I got this blood in the water. Um, so, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, though, if you do see any sort of signs of, of red colouring in your stools, um, I highly recommend you take a closer look really seriously. You know, you need to have a look and see if it's considered, you know, bloody. If it is, please go to your doctor straight away. It's important that you do address those issues. Sometimes it's fresh because it's, for example, some um, some rupturing from hemorrhoids. So you might find yeah. that it's just external bleeding. Um, but if it's anything else that could be causing that, you want to find out sooner than later. So don't ignore those signs, please. Um, this is one of those big ones that often, you know, doctors will complain that men ignore, um, you know, signs of, you know, low bowel, low bowel colon cancer. They don't actually, you know, look at their stools. They just wipe their backside, don't look at the toilet paper. They just throw it all, you know, and flush the toilet. And then the doctor says, but, you know, didn't you get any signs? No, I don't know what you're talking about, you know, because they've never actually looked. So that's another big thing, right? If you care about your gut health, you've got to look at your poo. You've got to look at the paper you wipe your bottom with. You need to have a look and see what those textures and colors are because that's how you keep track of good health. It's like women, you know, noticing timing cycle, bleeding duration, you know, blood and all those things of their menstrual cycle they have massive clues to our life as well but so is stool sampling you know looking at the poo and understanding what it means um anyone who's got a small child knows that they don't get a choice they have to see poo every day <laughs> when you're changing nappies so it's like kind of like becomes the norm but often as adults you know we don't uh, we don't bother or don't want to or think it's too icky or yucky or you know gross please get over that you know please consider this a health assessment that it's a report card whenever you pass a, a bowel motion to understand your body better definitely um now the there are colors that could range from along you know almost like a rainbow spectrum um if your poo is green often it's because things have moved through your system a little bit too fast so it hasn't had time to you know turn to brown and it can be if you've just been having lots of green smoothies and all sorts of different things um yellow is usually a, certainly a bit of a medical problem and you need to get that checked uh, if it's white um or if you've got that sort of light tan clay colored poo this is usually a liver issue so this is when we're not producing enough bile um which is you know obviously part of our 
um, really important for our digestive process. So keep an eye out for that as well. So the color is also important, indicative of, of those things. And if you can't flush them, hey, that's another big one. Yes, that a lot of people, I've had people say. describe me, it's you know, floating. like, oh, there's always points. I can't get rid of it. I'm like, right, that's interesting. Yeah, that's fat malabsorption. Yeah. Yep. So um, your stools are less likely to float when there's density to them. So they will sink to the bottom when you've got a good fiber-rich diet. If you're having that fat malabsorption, they will usually float to the surface and that tells me that we've got to check someone's gallbladder and pancreas. Um, they can also be really greasy as well. Um, so you might actually see like a film in the water um, or you might like almost see like fat globules in the – that was a funny word to say in, – in the actual bowl, um, which is called mm. – uh, yeah, thank you. I'm like, late at night. My enunciation is just mm. not good at this time of night. But anyway, um, this is, again, malabsorption. So this is when our body is not digesting the food and the nutrients in our diet as well as what it should be. It can be indicative of intolerances like lactose or celiac disease, um, Crohn's disease, those sorts of things. And another way that you can see malabsorption really overtly is if there's actually undigested food in your stool as well. Like are you seeing, for example, tomato in your stool that should be easily broken down by your digestive system but it comes out the same way it went in? Uh, are you seeing, you know, nuts and seeds or, you know, specific things like that that definitely requires attention? Common things that do come through undigested are things like corn and nuts and seeds. Yes. You know, if you haven't um, munched them or crunched them in your mouth properly yep. and chewed them up, then you don't break that cellulose coating or the external layer of that seed. They are designed to not be destroyed, you know, by acid and you think about them, they're supposed to survive the process of um, landing in the earth and all sorts of things can happen to them and, you know, they need to be able to survive for germination. So that's why they have that sort of like, I guess, toxic external layer to them to stop mm -hmm. damage to them so they can, you know, survive the the process of whatever happens to them and germinate still you know create a new plant so um yes just remember some of those things won't process well and chewing them up and breaking the outer coating is the only way to allow bile acids and things to get in there and break down break down the tissues or structure of that um that food so you know some of those things are quite you know obvious but not obvious you know people freak out about things and i'm like well you just need to chew your food more actually um so you know it's yeah like carrots and stuff right there's just all these things if you're having chunks often it's because you're not chewing properly as well so take the time so let's talk about some strategies to improve you know for example poo formation to improve gut function just some of the basic things to get you know better poo, poo profile make a better poo oh i like that Better poo profile. So, yeah. okay, if you are really constipated, first thing, more water, more fiber, um, chew your food better, uh, look at other factors that might be causing that constipation. So are you having too much gluten? Uh, are you eating too much of stuff that you might be reacting to? Do you need to include your increase your both soluble and soluble fibers? Uh, is there, you know, are you super stressed out so the blood is diverting away from your gastrointestinal system so you're not getting that good peristaltic action, that snake-like movement of your digestive system, do we need to add in some warming herbs or some digestive enzymes to help um, support that process along? Or do we need some probiotics as well that help with transit time, which is our very specific strains? 
Yeah, so I also talk yeah. about things like: do, Are you exercising enough? Are you getting moving? Yes. moving enough for me. Right. Move the body, move the bowel. You know, this is the thing. Yeah. If you're moving body well, you're moving the bowel. Um, is there any problem around your lower spinal pelvis? Because neurologically speaking, you know, the lumbar nerves are the ones that innervate large parts of our gut and our colon. So, you know, we know that people with lower spine injuries or back problems, you know, chiropractors, yes, we see this all the time. Um, people do have you know, spinal problems that contribute to gut problems. This is, you know, shown time and time again, they notice that as their spine improves movement, as that neurology improves through that lower spine. Wow. Amazing. What a great side effect that gut improves too. So, you know, there's, there's lots of different layers to this. Um, but you know, for me, it's always about dietary, improve your fiber intake, you know, cut out the crap food, get the whole foods back in there, increase the, the water and get moving, you know, get moving and get that body position right when you're doing a poo. Um, stop the straining, listen to the body cues don't hold it on for too long um yeah these are all my kind of first first step go to so ladies if that's just a starting point for you i think that's a pretty good place to start those those tips and tricks are some of the easiest ones we do not recommend things like laxatives because they take place of the natural gut motility you know they overstimulate and there's a whole knock-on effect to that you know once you start taking laxatives you may be like (laughs) requiring laxatives the rest of your days so it's super important because it creates um, rebound constipation mm-hmm. and it can also damage the gastrointestinal lining as well yeah, uh, so that you can actually you cannot actually have proper bowel movements again yeah like crazy, right? so it can be so destructive mm-hmm. and just so those are would be our i guess pointers if you're more the hot, the lower numbers on the bristol stool chart but if yep. you've got diarrhea um, if things are moving through you too quickly if you're also getting you know lots of bloating and really super like foul smelling farts like you want to clear the room when you sort of pass wind this is definitely first and foremost a sign of dysbiosis so an overgrowth of the bad um, microbial population or quote-unquote bad population in relation to the beneficial the symbiotic stuff so i would probably be starting with looking at the diet what are you feeding those bugs in the first place specific probiotic strain, something like Saccharomyces boulardii is really well indicated for this. Um, and I think if things don't change from, you know, diet and lifestyle changes, a little bit of, um, you know, probiotic input and those sorts of things, then usually that's something that you'd want to get checked out. So chronic diarrhea can be a bit of a warning sign for, you know, some other things that are going on. So you may want to get that checked. Yeah, and definitely if you have looser stools or you're passing through, you know, foods far too quickly, you know, you've just eaten a meal and it's already eliminating, then you want to consider reducing or eliminating potential allergens or things that are irritating the gut. So often the most common for us in our clinical experience are gluten and dairy, you know, my top two when I see gut gut motility issues or digestive issues. Um, So, you know, starting with the basic reduce, you know, your intakes of gluten or eliminate actually would be ideal because then you can actually test that, that theory once you've eliminated it and you've given it a couple of weeks, you should start to see an improvement in that um, in that poo formation. So, um, you know, removing irritants is also a really big one if you do have concerns with gut, particularly in the, that space of light looseness and lack of formation. Yeah, perfect. Uh, and ladies, just remember that 
according, I was reading a study from the British Medical Journal just saying that uh, your stool quality and consistency is a really good indication as to, you know, your microbiome diversity and your microbiome population. So they actually found that it was quite accurate looking at things like your Bristol stool chart, for example, to help determine what sort of things are going on there. And what they, one thing they did show that I took away from that um, study was that less species, so less microbiome diversity is usually correlated with higher Bristol stool chart scores. So more diarrhea, loose stools usually means less of the good stuff um, so you know that is part of that sort of dysbiotic kind of um, makeup I guess so that's just something to consider as well and remember if your transit time is too fast or too slow these can be problematic too hmm. okay right. I think that's a pretty good wrap up and actually remember yeah. don't don't uh, forget things like alcohol and caffeine as well can be dehydrating so you know for ladies you love your cup of coffee every day um, and you're having multiple cups of coffee a day that can absolutely affect your gut motility and uh poo formation so consider whether or you know those dietary um uh, impacts could be causing the problems you're experiencing so for me a big one is just you know watch your alcohol and caffeine intake as well to create normal healthy poo so guess guess what your poo does tell you a lot about what your health is like and you know what's going on inside so let's uh, start to normalize our our checks of our poos make it a daily occurrence that you do have a look in the bowl and see what's going on down there um if you need to print out a little picture of your poo scale stick it on the back of the door and you can you know compare and contrast what it looks like and what a healthy one could be if you need to you can put yourself a little star chart on the back of the door and you go yes winning i've got a healthy poo today <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever it takes right <laughs> and i think it's helen paradin who says like you know best friends like good friends talk about blah blah but best friends talk about poo and they'll like high five each other after you know like a really good poo and i think that that's, that's so funny um so anyway ladies i think we've probably um definitely exhausted um the the poo talk and we didn't have that many kind of puns uh so we did that on purpose um just for your benefit because we didn't want you to be rolling your eyes too much <laughs> um but we would lo- love your feedback and i say that sort of tentatively i'm like how much feedback do we really want but I guess what we want to know is, has this highlighted something to you? Have you had any aha moments during this podcast where you've gone, right, so maybe my transit time isn't as good as what I thought it was, or nope, I'm doing great. I'm having, you know, number fours every day. Uh, you know, my I reckon my gut health is pretty on track. So that's what we want feedback on. So did you have any aha moments or was this good and reassuring for you? Perfect. So, Ladies, you are listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. We are raising the bar on women's health. And until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.